Hey, welcome back to another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed with Thaddeus and Evan, where we have good conversations with good people, and any good conversation worth having is worth having drunk. And we were live from the Profit Rocket Growth Summit down in Austin, Texas, and we had on Angela Leopard from Home Service in a Box. And, you know, fractional CFO is, you know, what her specialty is in breaking down some of the fundamental financial aspects of things, right? One is actually, this is actually an eye-opener for me, and I never really thought much about it in terms of the discrepancies between your financials and what your FSM system is doing, your field service management systems like a service Titan Health Scroll Pro, Sarah, Jobber, whatever one you're on, there's discrepancies. Okay, well, you know, why does my FSM software tell me that I have a million dollars in revenue this month, but my finances only tell me I have 700000 or whatever the numbers might be? Pretty good things in that. And, and actually, some of the eye-openers that businesses are shocked by when you do this deep dive was also a fascinating topic. And the thing, I mean, we we talked about you know measuring tech efficiency. And like we've heard lots of people talk about that in the industry, making sure that you have efficiency within your side of your business. I really love that because I'm an efficiency junkie and I just want to make sure things are done the right way the first time. So you don't have to go back and redo it. Uh, but in this case, obviously, we're talking about a little bit of something different and making sure that your business is being efficient, which is a masterful thing. When you master that, now you can get more for the same amount of work and you can actually increase your margins. Uh, great conversation with Angela. Be sure to grab the pen and paper and take some notes on this guy. But of course, our show would not be possible without a word from our sponsors. In no particular order, Chirp, Real-Time 360 and On-Purpose Media. Have you ever wanted to add $42,000 in revenue to your business in a month? Or how about just an additional $80,000 in the first 14 days? Well, now you can with Chirp. Chirp is the ultimate automation toolbox for home service pros. Helps you capture more leads, connect faster, and close more deals. Direct integrations with Service Titan, HealthScope Pro, etc. What I like, automated text messages emails, ring us voicemails, even direct mail, rehash programs. The list goes on and on and on. Get 25% off your first three months by going to chirp.com forward slash HSSR. Real-time 360. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools and agencies owning all your logins? Yeah, that sucks. Well, say goodbye to the frustration and take control of your marketing with Real-Time 360. Streamline reviews, automate social media, engage customers with live chat, and track your success all in one place. Join the revolution and power your success with Real-Time 360. Are you tired of having your marketing companies not do what they say they're going to do? Well, Turn on Purpose Media. They are a digital marketing agency that specializes in helping home service companies with their internet marketing. If you want a free, no obligation marketing analysis where they do a deep dive into your marketing, hit them up at onpurposemedia.ca forward slash marketing dash analysis. Hey, welcome back to another HAC Success Secrets Reveal with Thaddeus Nevin, where we have good conversations with good people and any good conversation worth having is worth having drunk. Don't have any alcohol with us right now. We'll get started on that shortly. It is only one o'clock. So we're having a good time here at Profit Rocket. We are live in Austin, Texas, and uh, we just finished lunch. I had a great time there. The speakers this morning were fantastic, and we managed to finagle Angie Leopard in. She is with Home Service in a Box, truly a unique company and how everything is structured and, and everything that you do. You've been in the trade since 2003. Uh, you and your husband started a business yeah. and have been running that. They're all on the commercial side of things and running a really great, really successful business. And you had the financial background and wanted to come in and are now providing a ton of value to the trades through your fractional CFO side of the business. And now with these dashboards that are fantastic as well, being able to pull back the layers on that. So I'll let you explain more of your history and how you got into it and where your expertise lies in. And I'll let you take it from there. 
All right. So in 2003, we opened our first HVAC company. So that was residential and commercial. We moved into just residential after that. And now in Dallas, Texas, we opened a new one that is refrigeration, solely refrigeration. We're opening an HVAC residential side, but right now we're just niching down. So been in the business for 20 years, been a corporate CFO in quasi-government, government, private, did IPOs, did acquisitions, mergers. So I wanted to bring the corporate world to the trade. So started getting back into the trades really heavily with my husband's company. And then we decided to roll out the dashboards. One of the issues that I saw across the trades financially is that everything finance-wise is either a financing company for your customers or it's messages to the $10 million companies. So it's hard to say onboard a $4,000 CFO when you're a man in a truck, but you still need that information. It's just as valuable, if not more valuable than the $10 million company. So we wanted to make products that were at an affordable price, but give the information that was needed. So we have products ranging from $49 to on-sites or custom, but our dashboards are $350. And the idea, the difference is that we pull from your field service software. So whether it's Service Titan, House Call Pro, Service Fusion, Sarah, we are able to pull that data out and mix it also with the accounting. So one of the biggest issues in the field service software is that everyone is managing to numbers that are in a CRM, but they're not adding their actual accounting numbers to it, right? Mm. So Service Titan can say that you had $3 million in sales and your accounting team says, wait, we only recognize $2 million in cash. So this software allows us to give a dashboard, a CEO breakdown dashboard that also gives comparison. So where the reconciliations happen between those numbers in your CRM and your accounting software. Just help CEOs make a better decision, know exactly what's happening. So many times we're working in silos. We look at our service Titan only, or if we're smaller, maybe we only look at QuickBooks, but we need to be able to look at both of them together. Right. So different numbers from what you see in service Titan versus what you actually pull out on your dashboard. How? Why? I mean, I know the example that you used might be having some real life ones and maybe they're a little bit closer, but what causes such a big discrepancy that people would see in something like that? Well, it depends. I won't bash any of the softwares, but I will say, I'll just, one of the things I can compare it to is in the corporate world, everyone went through this period of service of Salesforce. Everybody wanted Salesforce, right? That was the CRM to go to. It was so customizable that when you needed support, they couldn't explain to you what was really happening because you could customize it to your business so, so much. So I think some of the bigger CRMs, is part of the problem is they are so customizable that everyone's not using them consistently. So when you look at your numbers, text may be using the same system, completely different at different companies. So you need to make sure you understand the back end, the algorithms that are happening in there, having processes put in place. I do on-sites for a lot of companies because I go to do their dashboard and realize really quickly that I can give them a dashboard all day, but they're not using the system correctly. So we need to get them using the system correctly and get the processes in place so that the data is actually accurate. I did a cleanup earlier this year that the person had a million dollar month. It was amazing. But in Service Titan, it looked like they had $375,000. That was the opposite effect, right? So Mm. the accounting system was actually much higher. And it was all because of the way that Service Titan was set up and the mapping that was done in there wasn't accurate. So it was telling the wrong story. So if you have your systems together, one of the beauties of the dashboard is it is a low cost. It's $349 and it's $149 onboarding. In that onboarding, my CFOs look and say, hey, we 
we can set you up, but it looks like you need to do some processes because this data is not reflecting correctly. So that's also one of the things that we uncover when we're setting up the dashboards. Interesting. Well, I've never really thought about that because you just think, okay, well, the numbers and such are accurate and in and there, and I'm going to base it all off of that. But then when you extrapolate it out, now you're looking at inaccurate decision-making abilities because yes. your numbers aren't correct. One of the biggest ones is besides like with a lot of them, I notice that people don't understand true accounting. Bookkeeping and accounting are very different when you're looking at mapping accounting uh, to your chart of accounts. So one thing that I notice in Service Titan all the time is cost of goods sold is huge in this industry and it will be mapped the wrong way. So it's either mapped, you go into QuickBooks and it makes it look off because in QuickBooks, for example, we have to have it right. That's who you tell the IRS exactly what you made. You go into Service Titan and it looks the opposite. It actually takes away from your sales if it's not mapped correctly. So that's one issue that I see all the time. One of the other ones is like tech efficiency. I have people using install trucks as a managed tech. And then other companies use because it's so costly to have a managed tech subscription. So maybe they'll put three guys in one install truck, like it's all as one. But how do you tell your tech efficiency if you're using it that way? Yeah. So that's a good example of why the data can be so wrong from company to company because they allow the system to be so manipulated how you need it. It doesn't necessarily tell the same story. Good to know. Percent. So I guess in uncovering some of these numbers and you talk in chart of accounts and cost of goods sold, when you look at the output and the numbers that you're seeing inside your software, what are some of the biggest eye openers that businesses are like, oh shit, I didn't even know that. And they work on fixing it and it changes the direction of where they're going. Top three things, tech efficiency is always yep. going to be my top. I'm still to this day, 20 years in the industry, shocked at either the lack of understanding of tech efficiency. I've had people regurgitate to me what tech efficiency is and it's absolutely incorrect, measurable. And then I've also had where people don't realize the impact of tech efficiency because what happens most of the time is we, in business, you throw heads at problems. It's just across any industry. When you see a gap, a lot of people think we need to hire somebody for that. So when you're seeing that you can't hit capacity in the HVAC space, is it really that you need another tech or is your tech inefficient? That's the question. So if you don't know, like I can go to our company right now and I could tell you the tech efficiency of every single tech that we have, because if they are below a certain threshold, they're on a plan and they have to get trained up or they're out because you can't have, if you have a 30% efficient tech, you could hire, you would have to hire three people to do what one tech really should do. And that's where cost happens, right? The second thing would be expense, cutting expense. We're in an industry where we're overwhelmed with information, but, and software. So everybody wants the new software. Oh, that does this, that does that. Oh, I'll just add this on. And they don't realize that a lot of times what they're paying for already has those capabilities. They're just not utilizing them. So that's a huge one. I just cut over $78,000 out of a budget for a year for software. So that's huge. And then the third one is honestly just not understanding general finance, like not understanding. I'm shocked at how many owners don't understand profit margin. <laughs> they don't understand that like in our space, when you're a heavy cogs industry, profit margin is your go-to, right? It lets you know, am I charging enough? Is this rate? We all know flat rate. But just because you're on flat rate does not mean that you shouldn't have somebody making sure that in your market area, that's actually where you should be pricing your, your 
jobs. I want to unpack all three of those separately and let's start at the top. In looking at tech efficiency, and I know Billy Stevens talked about this as well on some of our podcasts and their software does some of the tech efficiencies quite well from what I've understood. Now, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, 30% tech efficiency, what does that mean? I'm confused. How do you measure it, especially if you're not on a platform like Sarah that would be able to do some of the tech efficiencies? So the basic misconception is that tech efficiency deals with dollars and it doesn't. Tech efficiency is simply build hours versus paid hours. That's it. How many hours were I able to, was I able to bill out for how many I paid you for? And you should be running 75%. And, and the average is in the 30s. So in a market where all I hear, because I do some recruitment for some of my companies, and all I hear as I stare at Indeed over there in yeah, their right. headquarters, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all I hear all the time is we can't get text, we can't get text, we can't get text. That's true. But when we do get them in, we have to make sure they're efficient. We can't just take anybody because you're literally losing your profit. Every tech that is running below 50%, your profit is eaten up. Uh, it's simple, a very simple way to, to look at breaking that down. I mean, I think even without, I mean, obviously you have the dashboard that in the, the reports to be able to automatically do some of that. And if somebody's not there, well, you could probably math that yeah. out the long way if you really should choose. So like, hey, are you writing your shit down on these? You know, <laughs> then like I do. Eric Thomas. Yes, we are thirsty. Please yes. Send beers. Yes. Thank please. you. Minus me. <laughs> right? Um the other one, so only two, Eric, to deliver Eric at John Stoltz. This is why I love the live and Absolutely. like and streaming this out is just the instantaneous <laughs> feedback and the questions and, and shit like this. It's just, it makes it way better in my opinion. So the other one, expenses and looking at that through a fine tooth comb and looking at, and then we'll obviously, we'll get into not understanding finances, cost of goods sold, what's your net, what's your EBITDA, all those good things. But, you know, looking at expenses, how 78,000, I mean, can you think about, think about it this way? If you're a business and you just saved $70,000 in a year, what did you, that just do for you? Yeah, that hit, and that particular company was a smaller company, so it hit their bottom line. I mean, that, that was a direct impact to their mm-hmm. Profit. No, 100%. And so I guess if somebody is looking at this and saying, okay, well, how do I know what expenses are good to take out? Which ones do I leave in? How often should I review these? And how would you even review them? I mean, I have a team of CFOs, so we're custom to it. But if you were trying to do this on your own and you were just pulling back, first expense I look at is salary. It's always going to be salary because again, like I said, everybody throws a head at a problem. One of the the ironic things is most of the time when business owners go into a new software, it's to save salary, right? But then they have a problem or somebody needs to manage that software or it isn't doing exactly what they want. They don't cancel the software. They just decide I'm going to use the 5% that worked for me and then I'm going to throw ahead again. That's what I say when you add a person at it. So now you've, you've committed to this $15,000 software and you've now added a $40,000 staff member to manage the software. So the two places I I look at first are going to be staff. Again, it all comes back to processes. Setting up your processes let you determine what your capacity is. Tracking your KPIs, that lets you know capacity. How many CSRs do you actually need? That's something you need to back into. You need to look at how many calls do I have? How many abandoned do I have? What time of year is it? All of those things, knowing your processes and your actual makeup of your company, then you dive into your expenses and say, how do they relate? Mm Because most of the time, if you take your company org chart or your mapped out processes and you put your P&L over it, they don't align. You're paying way more than what your processes are actually set up to be. So the first thing I would do is dive in. Again, another place I've seen it is it's software, it's supplies. 
I hate to say it, but as a finance person, I was always in the office. So how many times I've seen the pretty pink calendars for everybody, but they're $28 a piece, right? When you could get the quill version for $3. Mm-hmm. I mean, those sound really small, but when you start growing a company and you're really looking at things from that and, call, and I call it the revenue first model, you budget yourself and you say, if we don't, if we're done with this budget, don't buy another calendar or don't buy more pens or don't buy any of this and make sure you're focusing on bringing your revenue in before you up your budget. What about profit first and that philosophy that's around that. And so in case anybody's listening profit first, it was a, it's a book. It's a concept of you pay yourself first and you build off of what you want. And then you, you back calculate everything else out in terms of what you need to set your pricing at. What do you, what's your thoughts and philosophies on something like that? <laughs> inside the home services space? It's hard. I mean, even as a finance where I could sit here and tell you how perfect you could do it and give you an Excel spreadsheet and tell you it's going to work. But the reality is even as, I mean, we own five companies and I can't, I mean, they're pretty well off and I'm not going to be able to say, this is what I want. I'm going to back into it because the reality is there's many times I'm not on payroll because we need a capital expense for the company. So I think that where it can confuse people that don't have a finance background and a business, a strong business background to say something like that, or how to try to conceptualize that can be challenging because they don't understand that sometimes you do have to take money out of your own pocket and put it back. Or what happens is I feel like your life cycle gets stagnant. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a business life cycle, you've got to go all the way and then you turn to that next step. So you're going to be a small business growing to a mid and then a mid to a large. If you put the profit first model in, in my opinion, it handicaps you from thinking, how do I put money back in to grow? You just, you meet that threshold and then you may just stay stagnant there instead of continuing to put money back into the company. How often would you recommend someone audit their expenses? Their softwares, their salaries, their supplies. Um, so we require every, we do a mini, what we call tech stack audit every right. three months, say right. at minimum a year. But I would recommend every three months. And that doesn't have to be deep. It's keep an Excel spreadsheet. It could be that simple. Excel spreadsheet and have your team, every time they add a software, it's added to that. So at every three months, somebody go through that list and say, hey, we went from 5000 a month to 8000 a month all of a sudden. Like, what? where's this 3000 and how does it help us and what is it doing? Always monitor your ROIs. If you turn these things on, AI is the new thing, right? And mm-hmm. it's you're, we're flooded with it. I could walk outside and there's probably 10 I could buy today in that room, right? But which one does what you need for the money? Don't necessarily get caught up in bells and whistles. Think about your actual budget first. No, nope, makes sense. And I guess the Excel sheet is one way. I think like how I do it anyways, is I'll go through our general ledger and take a look at it on a monthly basis to say, okay, well, which ones are in here? I mean, the Excel sheet also makes a lot of sense too, because then you can actually see the number, but sometimes you might buy one or put it yeah. in there and then forget about it. But if you go and look at the general ledger, now you've got Call everything that's also in there. Obviously, you need to understand what a general ledger is and how to access that. And if you don't, hey, guess what? Home services in a box can help you <laughs> out with that. That is point number three, right? right? Lack of knowledge, yeah. right? And not understanding it. So I guess where do people start with that when they don't understand their numbers? What numbers do they need? What should they be looking at? And how often should they look at it? I mean, you're obviously like my go-to numbers is going to be revenue. If I were to take and say, how, what do you need to look and know first? Know what your revenue numbers are. Know what your expenses are. Because at the end of the day, if you, if I'm an owner and I know I can bring in a million dollars in revenue, but my expenses are 1.1, I'm already in trouble. I've got to figure that out. So know your main numbers. Know your expenses, your revenue, your gross profit, because gross profit's going to tell you, do I need to up my charges? Because that's where your COGS, you take your revenue, less your COGS, and that's where you're going to get your gross profit. That's going to tell you, you're at your cost are you in line? 
to be able to get expenses. So those are the main numbers I would focus on your net profit, obviously, but you need to dial in and make sure your revenue, your expenses, and your gross profit are where they need to be and in line. From there, that'll tell you a whole nother story, right? If you don't know those or if they're not well, you can dive even deeper after that. What do you like to see in the home service space in terms of percentages of revenue for gross and net? Gross is in the like average between 50 and 60, like 53 to 55 is what the sweet spot that all my clients are falling into, or I'm trying to get them into. And that's another thing to remember for this space. It's not a SaaS play. It's not like a software as a service. It's not a high margin. So you've got to really make sure that your gross profits is right, because we are all in a very high capital need industry. You have to put out money to make money in this industry. And that happens in most of them, but this one is, it's heavy, right? So you want to make sure that's in line and then your net, it's unheard of, but like our current margin is 32%. That's unheard of in in the industry. So if you could target anywhere from the 12 to 18%, to me, you're doing good. When you're saying net, are you talking true net or are you talking EBITDA? No, I'm I'm talking NOI. So net or like ordinary income. So after operations, not other. Got it. Most guys do not know their break even point for their business. And it's something that I ask because I'm curious when I'm having a conversation with a business owner. Do you know what's your nut? What do you, what do you need to cover it? Yep. To know it on a, a year, I think at a minimum, you need to know that. Ideally, the day. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things that I added to my dashboard that I feel like is lacking in, in even our industry across the board, even in all the CRMs, is truck cost. Mm-hmm. So I know I can go ta- say to my husband who runs the refrigeration company, how much does it cost to turn a guy on today? He can tell me, he'll say to me, give me their salary. And then he knows how much on average every day it takes to put a truck on the road, how much it costs a capital. If I do add someone, it costs me this much for the truck. It costs me this much to tool the truck. It costs me this much to outfit it. And then our sign them or whatever. So as a service manager or an owner, like one of either operations manager, whatever you want to call it. And the owner should always know those numbers because mm-hmm. we get so focused on, oh, our techs cost us X dollars per hour, but we don't even think about the fact that what are tolls, what are, what is gas? How much do we have an extra truck? How much does it cost? And that's where I think a lot of people get in trouble too, because every time we dispatch a truck, that's our revenue source that's there, but it, we have to consider the expense to get that revenue source. And so that's one place that I think a lot of people miss or a lot of people have missed in setting up books is making sure that COGS accounts for those things. Right. And because a lot of times I see it all dropped in ordinary business expenses and that's not really where it should be. Yep. Nope. Makes sense. Well, you've got a big fan here in John Gonzalez. <laughs> He's a climate boss here in Austin, Texas. Hello, John. Good to see you, brother. Yeah. He was commenting on just about everything that you said. Saying, yep. She is spot on. <laughs> yep. And definitely aiming at 30 plus for, for profits. I love that. And this podcast needs to be shared with the masses. Golden nuggets. <laughs> I love it. There we go. I'm sure we could probably keep going and going and going. However, yeah. in the essence of time and the event, I think we've came full circle to it for what we've wanted to chat about. I mean, look, we can go deeper. I think that there's a lot of worthwhile information that we could go deeper on. But of course, if you're just curious or you want to find out, hey, I don't want to do this myself, go check them out. Home service in a box. So home service in a box, but it's home service in a box is their web URL. We'll put it in the show notes for after. If you do want to reach out to her, it's Angela at home service in a box. Yeah. As we do wrap up though, we do have one final question here for you. Oh no. Mm-hmm. This one I feel like is loaded, but go ahead. Oh no. It's just our favorite question. <laughs> oh, Evan, no. you want to take the honors this time? Go for it, okay. What is one question that you wish people would ask you more, but don't? Oh gosh. 
I don't really care if anybody asks me a lot of questions at all. <laughs> I'm a true don't introvert. Talk to I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily have a question. I do. I guess maybe more of an assumption or statement is that everyone assume, and it's the HVAC space, right? You're mm-hmm. a girl in the HVAC or in the trade space, and it's more. Don't make assumptions on the girls that are in the industry. More, I guess. Yeah. We can be mm-hmm. back office and we can be, I do ride-alongs all the time. I'm out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm out there. But see, even if you don't know what you're doing, there's power in this yeah. too, right? Go learn it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what we, we want to own the company. I want to do as much as I can, because if I'm going to bring something to the industry, I have to stay relevant in the mm-hmm. industry. And the only way to do that is to keep learning. Yeah. So. And and I love that philosophy and I love that part of it because you can learn so much on a ride-along and, and yeah, you know what? You're not going to actually, will you actually take any of the things of repairing an AC unit? And do it yourself? No, but you understand what's going into it now. And now when you look at it from the 35,000 foot view, what's happening in the trenches. And I think you have a better idea and an assessment on what your business is all about out there when you're there doing it. And so I will say whether you're a female or a male, go yeah. do it. You're yeah. an owner. When's the last time you went on a ride along with one of your guys Absolutely. or girls? Well, and that's Stacey and Mike. We just had a conversation with them, Stacey and Mike Ford. But that's what Stacy did. She went and got in the truck and she apprenticed for Mike mm-hmm. because she knew that if she was going to be running a company and training technicians and helping understand what it is that they do, she needed to know what it was that they were doing. Because our 2024 is for me to work with him a little bit more and, and to be able to not have my contractor's license, but be able to take the test and mm-hmm. understand it enough. Mm-hmm. I love it. But yeah, I think that's the big thing nope. about learning. Just keep learning. Absolutely. Yep. Wicked. Well, thank you so much for joining us. All right. All right. And until next time. Cheers. Bye. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of HVAC Success Secrets Revealed. Before you go, two quick things. First off, join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash HVAC Revealed. The other thing, if you took one tiny bit of information out of this show, no matter how big, no matter how small, All we ask is for you to introduce this to one person in your contacts list. That's it. That's all. One person. So they too can unleash the ultimate HVAC business. Until next time. Cheers.